welcome to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. I'm June Grosso. Every day we bring you insight and analysis into the most important legal news of the day. You can find more episodes of the Bloomberg Law Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. It's a very unusual move for a defendant and just the latest in a string of attacks challenging the authority of special counsel Robert Mueller's Russia investigation. Paul Manafort, the former Trump campaign chairman, was indicted by the special counsel in October on criminal charges of fraud, conspiracy and money laundering related to his lobbying on behalf of a Russian-friendly political party in Ukraine. Now, Manafort has filed a civil lawsuit claiming that Mueller overstepped his authority in charging him with crime related to business conducted long before he became Trump's campaign chairman involving events unrelated to Russian election meddling. My guest is Jeffrey Kramer, managing director at Berkeley Research Group and a former federal prosecutor. Jeff, we might expect a motion to dismiss the charges, but have you ever seen a civil suit like this in response to criminal charges? Uh, no, this is uh, certainly unique. I mean, in a normal context where you have a justice or a former a federal prosecutor fighting uh, a defendant. I've never seen uh, a suit arguing that the prosecutor didn't have jurisdiction. Now this is unique because it's a special counsel, uh, but I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's a winning argument in any event. Explain Manafort's claims briefly. You know, just briefly, and I'll give you his argument, and I'll tell you where I think it goes awry. He's basically saying that. In, there's a couple counts. In one county, saying uh, the deputy attorney general did not have authority to appoint uh, Mueller to pursue uh, these uh, financial dealings, and the is uh, that Mueller himself uh, needed short and didn't have the jurisdiction uh, to pursue anything beyond uh, the election and Russian interference. That's the argument. Um, where I think it goes awry is it, it, it confuses, I'm um, sure purposely so, the special counsel law with a special prosecutor legislation, and that's where the difference is. What are the chances of a judge setting aside the special counsel's appointment as one of the things that Manafort asked for, or the charges against Manafort, or doing anything else with a case that's going on in another court? I think it's uh, slim to none is probably generous. Um, there'll certainly be a response, uh, but I can't see a, uh, a judge entertaining uh, or certainly granting this motion. The special counsel law is clear. It gives pretty wide berth as long as the deputy attorney general uh, reviews what's going on and there's touch points. And if we look at what the deputy attorney general said in his recent testimony, it has been on top of Robert Mueller. There's uh, constant communication, and he's abiding what needs to happen under the special counsel. Uh, there's a lot of latitude there. It, it, the argument is akin to a, a defendant saying, not that I didn't do it, but basically he, this should have been kept concealed. You shouldn't have looked here. It's an absurd argument. Well, we should mention that Manafort is not only, only suing uh, Mueller, but he is also suing Rod Rosenstein, who is the acting attorney general who's in charge of the Russian investigation and the U.S. Department of Justice. I'm looking at the order appointing the special counsel that uh, Rosenstein signed, and it says that included in the authority to conduct the investigation is any matters that arose or may arise directly from the investigation. So does that clearly cover events, even if they're unrelated to the Russian election meddling? 
I think that's exactly right, and that's the what I was uh, alluding to before. It's a pr- pretty broad uh, discretion for Mueller, and if he was looking for monies overseas, may have been Russian or Ukrainian monies that could have impacted influence on the Trump administration, and he started uncovering what Paul Manafort was doing overseas, he doesn't have to then turn away um, and uh, and go elsewhere. He can follow the evidence where it leads, and uh, I think that's exactly what we want from any prosecutor. So as long as they did anything illegal or improper, the defendant got caught, and he's saying, you shouldn't have caught me. That's uh, the argument. This seems more like a political move than a legal move, but is it likely to cause any problems or distractions from Mueller and his team? No, you've seen anything, and obviously we, we don't even know a small percentage of what's going on behind closed doors. But we can tell uh, that Bob Mueller and his team have been pretty straightforward in pursuing this. There's been no leaks. There's been no press uh, conferences or news releases or anything of the like. The only conversation we've heard from Bob Mueller has been in the form of uh, criminal cases. So I think they're putting their heads down. This is a distraction, although they'll have to respond, as I said, in, in federal court because it, it is a valid complaint. Um, but then they'll just keep doing what they're doing, and this will be brushed aside. Um, and then Paul Manafort's going to have to face the fact that he's looking at uh, a decade or more in jail. And then the question is, does he want to cooperate or not? But this attempt to dismiss the charges, um, I don't think is going gonna, is gonna to go very far. Just about a minute here, Jeff. There, it also seems to be a fishing expedition in some respects where they're asking for certain documents. Is there any possibility that a judge might require Mueller to turn anything over like that? You know, I don't think we're going to get to that part of discovery. Um, I think this uh, gets dismissed right after a complaint, uh, after a response gets filed. I'd be surprised if it got to the point where it is discovery. Um, you're right, that would certainly benefit the defendant. The problem is, and it's somewhat ironic, um, it's not that Paul Manafort is going to subject himself to being deposed in this civil lawsuit. He's got bigger problems. So usually when a civil suit goes on, contemporaneous with a criminal case, the civil suit is just stayed because there are certain protections we have in the criminal realm that we don't have in civil. Here, it's the flip of it. You have the defendant actually filing a civil case. Uh, So Paul Manafort may be looking for documents from Mueller, but the last thing he wants to do is subject himself to Mueller's uh, questioning and deposition. Thanks for your insights. As always, that's Jeffrey Kramer, Managing Director at Berkeley Research Group. California began selling recreational marijuana on Monday, the seventh state to approve the sale of recreational marijuana. However, marijuana is still illegal under federal law, but the Obama administration announced it would not stand in the way of states that legalize marijuana. Attorney General Jeff Sessions is about to rescind that policy, according to the Associated Press. Sessions has long considered marijuana as comparable to heroin and has blamed it for spikes in violence. Joining me is Alex Crete, professor at Thompson Thomas Jefferson School of Law. Alex, Session will let federal prosecutors where pot is legal decide how aggressively to enforce federal marijuana law, according to AP. How does that fit in with the idea of federal law being enforced uniformly across the country? Yeah, it is, I think, uh, hard to make sense of 
this announcement um, from that perspective. If the idea is that marijuana is illegal federally and that Sessions believes that that federal law needs to be enforced, it would make, I think, a lot more sense for uh, Sessions to say we're going to just enforce this uniformly. Um, and also, from a policy perspective, I think the prospect of having uneven enforcement depending district by district uh, across the United States uh, where marijuana is legal, I, I think could be very, very disruptive. I mean, you could have a situation where in one part of the state, the federal prosecutor is cracking down and sending people operating businesses to prison. And in the other part of the state, the federal prosecutor is allowing uh, the businesses to move forward just as they, as they have been for the past few years. Right, because we should point out that many states like New York have a couple of federal prosecutors or more. A recent Gallup poll shows 64% of Americans believe marijuana should be legal. It's become a multi-billion dollar industry. A bipartisan group of senators in March urged Sessions to uphold existing marijuana policy. Is there likely to be a backlash and even an effort in Congress if U.S. attorneys actually begin enforcing federal law? Yeah, I think it is quite possible, um, and it's telling that uh, Cory Gardner, Republican senator from Colorado, has uh, already tweeted out today a very strong uh, response to this, uh, saying that this is in conflict with what Senator Sessions had told him, and that you know he's very upset about this announcement. And so, it's possible that uh, this announcement from Sessions will sort of backfire on him and might spur Congress to finally take action uh, to change federal law to accommodate state. Uh, marijuana laws. It also appears to break a promise made on the campaign trail by President Trump to respect state decisions on marijuana law. And for so, so people who support states' rights, isn't it also a problem? Yeah. I mean, I think that this is, uh, you know, in conflict with, uh, you know, sort of Republican uh, or traditional uh, sort of Republican position on allowing states to uh, have leeway to make these kinds of policy decisions. It's certainly with, at odds with what Trump said on the campaign trail, as you noted, and it's with, at odds with what polling shows. Polling shows that uh, a substantial majority of Americans, even if they don't support marijuana legalization, a lot of people who oppose legalization still believe it should be up to states to make that decision. Uh, last poll I saw, I think it was somewhere around 75% or so, uh, somewhere in that range, said that they thought this should be left to the states, even if they personally didn't support legalization. So this is, I think, a very unpopular political move uh, to say that uh, the federal government should interfere with what states are doing here. So, Alex, looking at it from the other side, is there any reason why this is a good move? Well, I mean, I think that the you know argument that one would make in favor of this move, and I, I personally you know uh, d don't think it's a good move, but I'd say the argument that you would you know make uh, in in favor of this is to say, look, federal law says marijuana is illegal. Uh, until that changes, the that law should be enforced, and Congress, if they want to change the law, they should act and do it. And you know, certainly, I think there is something to be said for the idea that Congress has been. Um, uh, I think turning a little bit of a blind eye to this conflict. The reality is that it's been easy for them to do the past few years because the federal prosecutors have been using their discretion to allow this to go forward. But still, federal law says this is illegal, and really, it, Congress should change that. I mean, Congress needs to face up to this conflict. It's untenable to have so many states uh, with legalization laws, and yet federal law says this is all a crime. Alex, the DEA has marijuana listed as a Schedule I drug alongside heroin. If the DEA changes that, 
Will that make a difference if it changes where marijuana is on the schedule of drugs? No, no, not really. So that is certainly an issue that's come up, uh, the rescheduling of marijuana, maybe moving marijuana to a less restrictive schedule. But even if marijuana was rescheduled to, say, Schedule 2 or even Schedule 3, uh, the the fact is that uh, substances in Schedules 2 and 3, they can only be distributed for medical purposes. And so even if you were to reschedule marijuana, that would do nothing to solve the conflict between federal prohibition and state uh, legalization laws for recreation. Use. Let's so let's say next week. Do you expect to see anything happening in states that have legalized marijuana, or do you think that U.S. attorneys are going to wait, or perhaps never do anything at all? Yeah. I mean, that I think is the big question mark now that's been left by this announcement from Sessions is that this is going to be up to individual U.S. attorneys to make these decisions now. Um, What are they going to do? And uh, I don't think at this point in time we have any clear answer about when we'll know that. Uh, And the the reality is that in some of these uh, uh, districts, uh, Trump hasn't even uh, nominated anyone to fill the U.S. attorney position. Um, And in others, somebody's been nominated but not yet confirmed. And then other uh, districts, there have been Trump nominees confirmed. So that's sort of another question mark as well. Uh, in California, at least last I checked, I believe is only one of the four districts had a nominee from Trump, and I don't believe that person has been confirmed yet in the Eastern District of California, just as an example. So that's another sort of uh, uncertainty that's out there, which is that uh, in some parts of the country where marijuana is legal, you might not even have uh, someone to check in as far as a U.S. attorney right now. Thank you, Alex. That's Professor Alex Kreit of the Thomas Jefferson School of Law. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg.